really, Wayne, Catalina Fairchild? Really, Catalina Fairchild? She She's not a salad dressing or a vacation island. She's a super hot, super smart, super strong superheroine. Her name's Caitlin. Seriously, it's Caitlin Fairchild. I... with Aaron and Polly and Tim and Wayne. I'm Aaron. I'm Polly. This is Tim. Booyah! <laughs> that, that is payback, Wayne. That's payback for the apes. <laughs> right there. Did you see it? You didn't see it coming. It was a sucker punch. I thought payback was going to be when you picked what book we're going to read. Oh, we're going to get to that. <laughs> He's going to save it for on air. Mm-hmm. And Paul's here this week, so we get to force him to read a book. Paul, uh, live from Studio, Florida. Yes, indeed. I don't know if you, you can tell, but my voice is all shot and shit. Is that because um, you've been screaming in the haunted houses, Paul? No, it's really because I've been breathing in fake fog for about six hours last night. Well, why do um, you have the fog machine going on in your hotel room? That's the well, question. Yeah. Is it because you, know, it, you, you like to be a rock star all the time? It really is. <laughs> hey, I bring it everywhere with me. It's my I don't know, what I when I'm getting ready for sex, I like to fog just, the room, make an entrance, you know. I, just I, I can understand the chick, that. The chicken costume, is, is, she's on the bed in the chicken costume, and out of the freaking fog comes Paul with, like, this <laughs> fake mullet, like, straight out of 1980s White Snake videos. Oh, <laughs> yes. Ooh, smoked chicken. Leopard skin <laughs> spandex. Oh, yeah. No, this is a horrible thought. <laughs> just for the me, and I'm me. Yeah, just for the record, Paul, I am not imagining you in leather spandex. That's fantastic. <laughs> leopard spandex. Well, you know, you said you were talking about horror, so I was trying to get I was trying to get in the mode. <laughs> no, there there has been no time for horrors, sadly. What? Um, I know. Why why in the world would you ever go to Florida if you're not going to, you know, avail yourself of, you know, all the horrors? Well, okay. So this come okay. So I have to say something about Mister Head since he's in, since he's encouraging me to look into uh, the local prostitution. So, <laughs> I went to Texas earlier this or early, like a month or two ago. Uh-huh. Aaron's driving me back to my hotel room because I don't have a rental car, <laughs> and he says, "Hey, this is the gas station where all the whores hang out. Just so you know, it's well, three I, miles it was- away." From- hotel it's 110 degrees outside and you don't have a car <laughs> but if you want to pick up one and walk her back to your room <laughs> this is where you find them <laughs> i was just trying to be a courteous host paul i, I appreciate that <laughs> but no um uh, i i haven't had time i i've just been so busy since i got here um doing jack shit until last night Really, just work. I'm, I'm here for work, and uh, but last night I was able to attend the opening night of Universal's Halloween Horror Nights event down here, and uh, 
it was a blast. I had a great time. Uh, what was sad is it rained it, for like the first hour of what our tour would have been. And um, so we had to kind of jam pack it all in into a shorter amount of time. So I'm, I'm in a lot of pain this morning because <laughs> that was a lot of walking in a short amount of time. But it was a blast. Uh, so I, what, I love what the- you're saying is that your feet hurt? <laughs> yeah. I, uh, yeah. I, I should have recorded some audio last night. My yes, you should hurt. have. It's three o'clock in the morning and my feet hurt. Um, <laughs> no, I, uh, it, these press events are really cool because you go in and you get all sorts of free food and they have an open bar. And the, the bartender who made my rum and cokes was kind of like me when I salt french fries. He's like, oh, it's not coming out of the bottle. I'm like, it's coming out of the bottle. And so I ended up drinking triple shot rum and cokes all night, um, you know, and which were, you know, not tasty at all, but they'll get you hammered. Did you wake up with feathers in your mouth this morning? <laughs> I, I, I may have. I may have not. I will neither confirm nor deny these rumors. <laughs> so were there any celebrities there this time, Paul? No, it's sad because the one year, the one year I come alone, I meet some celebrities or, you know, pseudo celebrities. Um, But every year that I bring somebody, no, no celebrities. So, yeah. Were were you still the biggest celebrity in the room? Hey, would you like to meet Paul from the Internet? He's right here. Exactly. You're from Aaron Head's podcast. Funny. (laughs) You're from Head's podcast website <laughs> i'm just imagining this conversation next year i'm sorry honey you can't come with me i want to meet famous people <laughs> well and here's the funny thing so you're when you're meeting new people you're split into all these little vip tour groups and so you're meeting all these pe- people from different websites and so i'm meeting folks from websites i visit you know places like horror night nightmares behind the thrills bloody disgusting.com um and everyone you know when they Literally, there wasn't a single person who asked, what website are you from? And when I told them, Ideology of Madness, oh, I've never heard of that site. Everyone said that. It was rather offensive to me. <laughs> like, you Seriously, you've never heard of ideologyofmadness.com? It is the, the destination place on the internet. So We update three times a week when Aaron Head uploads three podcasts. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's like we talk about comic books, except what I come here every year. <laughs> you know, comic books, role playing games, and uh, you know, for about one month a year, I talk about theme parks. Yeah, but no, it was a blast. I had a great time. Uh, I am, like I said, my, my, my feet hurt this morning, so and uh, it, it is just a sign that I'm getting old. But just a tip: I'm, Cuban whores will rub your feet for the right price. Just oh, that's a good point. Well, you know, I am in uh, the land of. Asian massage parlors. There are about sixteen near my hotel, so I, See, you, know, you, you go get your rub on if you know what I mean. True. I mean, there's like a, a string of the magic spa, gold spa, <laughs> massage spa. I mean, just like generic names like See, that. Stuff. And and if you go to one of those ones where couples are welcome, a little something for you, a little something for your wife. Yeah, it's good stuff. There you go. You know, it's you know what it is, Paul. It's romantic. It is happy anniversary, baby. <laughs> <laughs> is it your anniversary? Uh, we, 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 it is in a couple weeks. We actually came to Universal Halloween Horror Nights on our honeymoon. Huh? So it kind of coincides with, uh, you know, within a couple weeks of us oh, going. I see. So. Right. Yeah, I see. So. How many years? We, uh, eight years. 
Oh, congratulations. Eight years this year. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Very exciting. But is it as exciting as free online superhero MMORPGs? <laughs> if you ask my wife, she would say yes. <laughs> <laughs> Since I'm the only one on here that actually plays MMORPGs, I, I'm going to say the answer for most of you guys is no. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, so DC uh, U Online uh, just announced that it's going to do some free to play, and I'm kind of excited because that's a that's a PlayStation one. I don't, I'm not a big fan of computer gaming, and this just doesn't ever works for me real well. Yeah, me neither. That's but. actually why I'm excited about it too, because I have the PC version and I've I played it for about a month and was already sick of it. Because there, well, there were a lot of reasons why I got sick of it pretty quickly. But I think it would be a great game on the console. So as soon as this kicks off, I plan on downloading the, uh, you know, the PlayStation Three version and playing it. I'll play with you, Tim. Oh yeah. Wow, Wayne playing online. This is scary. <laughs> is there an Xbox version? No. no. Sony only. Loser. Huh. All right then. Yeah. yeah. This is why most of us own both systems, Aaron. Well, Paul, if you would give me a PS3 like you gave me an Xbox, we'd be okay here. Well, I refuse to get rid of my PS3 until it breaks because I have one of those PS – I have the the first-generation PS3, which runs everything because uh-huh. every new iteration of PS3 doesn't run something. Ah. Like, oh, we don't support PlayStation 2 games anymore. and Oh, you know, you can't do this with this new PS3. So, yeah, no. But you, I you'll get it, it when it's broken. I believe it's the same servers for the PC, Aaron, so you could download the PC client and play with us. Yeah, but, you know, the problem is is that, that uh, my, my computer never runs uh, PC games right. I mean... No, I, I hear that. Yeah, I mean, I'm just... I'm always, you know, a generation or five behind in terms of the right graphics card, the right sound card, what have you, and it's just... I, it's so frustrating to me, I just don't even try anymore. I just don't even try. Yeah, this was an MMO that, to me, it just didn't feel right when I was playing it on the computer. And I, I thought the whole time that that was because they were designing it to work with the console, too. Yeah. I think the console controls probably would make the game a lot more fun. Yeah, and that's 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 kind of the uh, feedback I've gotten from other people who have played it on the, on the computer, that it's, it's a little difficult to do the same things that the console people can do rather easily. So... So how are they gonna? How do they pay their bills? Is it a micropayment system? Yeah, it's kind of like that. Yeah, I mean, you, you you can have different kind. Well, I'm only talking about DCU. We'll get to the other one in a minute. But you know, obviously your um your 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 free spud doesn't have as many you know slots or you know you have to buy expansion packs and all that stuff to get into certain zones. Mm. So yeah, it's a microtransaction kind of thing. Gotcha. Now, but you still have to buy the program, don't you? I mean, you still have yeah, to buy. You still have to, yeah, you still have for, to buy. Yeah, you still have to do that. But I mean, I mean, you could probably get that at GameStop for like you know thirty bucks at this point. So that's a good point. But it eliminates the monthly fee. Yeah, that's which cool. was a big, which was the, which was the gateway for me. It's like I'm yeah. not paying five dollars extra for. Sure. You know, yeah, exactly. Because I wasn't going to pay. I think it was twenty bucks, wasn't it? Twenty bucks a month or something. No, fourteen ninety nine. Yeah, it was fourteen ninety nine. Same as you yep. know. Yeah. Pretty much well, almost all MMOs are fourteen ninety nine. Yeah, but that's kind of a... I mean, like, for me, for something I knew I wasn't going to play... I mean, I bought a game... <laughs> I bought Dead Space, like, three months ago, and I haven't even opened it. So, you know, paying 15 bucks a month to play a, to, for a game that I'm not going to play... Yeah, I wasn't going to do that. Yeah, but I mean, now it's that it's worth, free... 
it's worth the money if you're going to play a game a lot and you aren't going to be buying other games. Because, I mean, other games would be more expensive. If, But if you're going to stick with one game and play it four months at a time, then it's worth the money. But, yeah, not if you'll never play it. So DC isn't the only game that went, uh, only superhero game that went free to play. City of Heroes is also going free to play. And uh, City of Heroes has been around a lot longer. It's a lot more established. There's a lot more content. And I was I was excited when I heard it because I played City of Heroes for five years. You know, I was uh, I would it's fair to say I was a fanboy of the game. Absolutely love it. It was my first MMO, and I keep going back to it. I have a paid subscription to it right now. But for their free to play, first they're going to reactivate all of the old accounts for anyone that ever you know ever bought the game. And those accounts will come in under free-to-play first, and then they're going to start opening up to new people. And the opening up to new people, from what I understand, you won't have to buy the game. You can just download the client. And just like DC, the client's going to be limited. You know, you, you just get a fraction of the things that paying people get. But they also are doing the microtransactions a lot. Besides just the you can get a subscription to to get more slots and things, they're actually doing... If you want these costume pieces, you can buy them or it's very granular. So you can buy just what you want for for like a dollar, for two dollars, for three dollars, depending on what it is. And I think that a lot of games are doing that, you know, for the long term because they just can't compete with WoW. Right. I mean, WoW has the subscription base. If people don't want to pay for two MMOs a month, then, you know, you got to get them playing somehow. And you still have to make your money. So these microtransactions is kind of what it takes for some of these games to compete. And it's very popular over in Korea. <laughs> you, know, uh, you know what's funny? You know who is also going uh, with a free subscription service is the, uh, the Magic Spa down the street. But, you know, if you, if you want extra slots, you have to pay. Yes. <laughs> You reached for that one, Paul. I did. I was waiting for Wayne to – because Wayne kept going after. It would have been – I should have just interrupted him. <laughs> so I don't know. There might be there might be opportunity for some uh, ideology of madness uh, spinniness to, to follow. So, Yeah, I mean I did, I did enjoy the story of DC Online quite a bit. Story was great. It was just the controls that just were not right on PC. So, yeah, I'm I'm excited. And it would be the first time we've played a game online together, Tim. Yeah. Although, I, I, I will say that uh, my attention span's pretty small when it comes to stuff like that. So, I would hate to be like, I'm level 6 and I'm done with this game. <laughs> so, we'll see. Well, we will uh, use the ideology of you can charge that to the ideology of men as budget. By the way, the, oh yeah, right. No, you, you cannot. Know, I, right when I get my business cards, I'll, you uh, can. <laughs> those are in the mail, Tim. <laughs> I, I think you should at least do the uh, the second level subscription, the five dollar one, and charge it to Paul. Oh hell with that! Yeah, Paul didn't mind. <laughs> Paul bought day money. <laughs> Not after this that's month. One, that's, one, that's one. That's one Avengers annual you don't need every month. <laughs> Well, and you know, I, I'm, I'm definitely not going to have uh, Paul Aponte money after this month. And next month isn't looking too good either, to be honest with you, because I got to be honest with you guys, I think this was one of the best. I think this was probably the best week of the DC New 52 since they started. Hmm. 
I'm not sure I agree with you there, but yeah, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll get into a lot to talk about. Yeah. But I got to say, I you know, the last, what, three weeks in comics have been fantastic weeks for comics. Oh, yeah. I mean, I am I, having a hard time trimming the list, you know. Uh, now, there there were one or two this week and that, uh, you know, I know I'm not picking up the issue two on. But uh, it, it's been, I mean, this has been a, a, a gut punch to the wallet. And, you know, having to make some really hard choices about, you know, what I'm going to keep and what I'm not going to keep. So anyway, but, uh, you know, not a new 52 book, but a new series in its own right is Daredevil number four uh, from Marvel Comics with uh, Mark Wade and uh, Marcos Martin. Yes. Um, Something I thought was really interesting about this book this week, Paul. Dig that cover. Dig that cover. There is no pimping of the artist or the writer. Interesting. I didn't, when, you know, I didn't even think about it. And when you've got a guy like Mark Wade on your book, usually you're going to put his name out there. I, just, I thought that I was a, just, I thought that was an interesting choice. Huh? I guess they just wanted to uh, let the art speak for speak for itself. Yeah, and it's a great cover. And I, I, everybody is jazzed about Daredevil, so maybe you don't need the extra name on there to sell the book. But uh, uh, I, I was just I was kind of startled by that. Yeah. So what do you think of number four? So here's the thing about Daredevil. Every issue I buy of Daredevil, I want to hate. <laughs> I know that sounds wrong, but, you know, I, with DC's New 52 this month and, you know... It, 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 like we said, you know, I, my Paula Ponte money dwindling down to nothing. I, I really kind of I need to cut back somewhere, and so I really enjoyed you know the first couple of issues of Daredevil, uh, the first three issues of Daredevil. I really enjoyed. So when Daredevil number four was coming out, okay, I was like new creative, you know, new artist, you know, it's still the same writer, but you know, may, maybe this will be the reason I can finally drop this book, and uh, it wasn't. I loved this book. This was the best issue of the series so far. Yeah, the book was fantastic. I mean, I, the the Marcos Martin art, you know, just is phenomenal. I just I love the style of it, just like I loved him on uh, Spider Man. And mm-hmm. I I'm digging the uh, the take on uh, how Matt and Foggy are working their cases right now. You know where they you know the. Mm-hmm. Daredevil's been outed as being Matt Murdock, and Matt Murdock is Daredevil. And of course, you know, while no one will prove the secret, it's derailing their trials. So they are secretly representing people and teaching them how to represent themselves in in the uh, courtroom. And it's just it's just an awfully interesting take on uh, the character. Yeah, I was I was I, I I thought that was a very unique, considering you know Daredevil's been around for forty years at this point, uh-huh. almost fifty. Yeah, because he was in the I guess 1960s or maybe 70s. I don't know, but he came out know, 60s. That, this is definitely something I've never seen done with the character. Yeah, and just I'm I'm digging it. I, I think it's fantastic. Yeah, I, I it's it's really just a fantastic book. And again, the the Marcos Martin art is just really entertaining. I I just those it certainly it's very stylized, but wow, it just works so much for the for the character. And you know, 
this is a, a big shift from the way Bendis and Brubaker were writing the character because you know Bendis and Brubaker were really writing a very dark journey that uh, Matt Murdock was going through, and this is a lighter take. You know, still keeping it all within continuity of what uh, Bendis and Brubaker did, but you know, it's a lighter, less uh, you know, less crazed Daredevil that you've got here. So the art really matches that. Uh, I, yeah, I should, absolutely. I think it's fantastic, and I love that last page. You know, uh, Matt Murdock is consoling a new client he's got, and you know, it's it's looking you know at them through uh, the window of the guy's apartment. And he says, "Hey, it's going to be okay." Except that, you know, Daredevil doesn't realize that he and the kid are both alit with dozens of laser pointers. <laughs> <laughs> and and the, he, so he says, it's going to be okay. And it says, next. Not exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and that just tickled me. Yeah, it's just a, a, a well-written book, a fantastically drawn book. I, I, I'm, I have added it to my monthly polls. Yeah, on you, Paul. Uh, there, I, I am... Despite my efforts, I am fully convinced that this is probably one of the best books Marvel is publishing. You know, it's certainly up there for me. Um, I think Marvel's publishing a number of books that I'm just really jazzed about right now, and and that's certainly one of them. And again, making it hard to uh, you know trim back my pull list. We've decided that uh, we're we're continuing to pull Daredevil. What about the much anticipated Batman from uh, DC's New Fifty Two? You know, I was already reading Batman, so I'm curious to think what hear what you guys heard, thought of it. I was I was not overly impressed. Uh, I have some serious issues with the art in this book, and I can point those out as we talk about it more. Uh, the story was okay. It seemed a little, I don't know, a little cheesy. I mean, so far the best of the new Batman books for me is Batman and Robin, which shocked me considering how much I hate Damian Wayne. But that book was just good, and it hit it on all cylinders. This one, it seems like the kind of story you would expect to be a filler story between two big storylines. That's kind of what it felt like to me. Aaron? I love the artwork. Uh, I, I just I thoroughly enjoyed the artwork. It really cast the mood. Okay, um, so my issues with the artwork, I will uh, I will say all the Batman pages looked great. The artwork, my issue with the artwork aren't that it was bad art, because it looks beautiful. And I like how he does two different styles for the Batman versus the Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. My issues, the, uh, the page where there are Bruce, Tim, Damien, and Dick all standing together. Yeah. Tim and uh, Dick look far too young. It's uh, it's way off there. All the faces look the same in those Bruce Wayne pages, too. You turn a couple of pages over, and when he meets uh, Lincoln March, he looks just like Bruce Wayne. The only difference is what they're doing with the eyes. On multiple panels, these guys are standing side by side, and they look like the same guy. I mean, it's not that the art was bad, because the art was good, but I don't think this... I don't think this artist is very good at doing out-of-costume faces. Well, and I'm gonna, I'll, I'll take you back to that panel that you described where you've got you know Bruce, Dick, Damien, and uh, Jay, uh, Tim. And I agree because they all look too young, well, except for Damien. You know, but but the 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 representation of Dick Grayson 
really looked more appropriate for, you know, Tim. And, you know, I, I think that Dick should be more along the, 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 the size of Bruce Wayne, you know, because he is a full grown man. <laughs> that's I, I, and, and, you know, that's represented in Nightwing number one, which we'll talk about here in just a few minutes. But this panel just because I found it, I found that panel jarring myself. See, I got to be honest. I disagree with you guys. I, uh, I actually liked the de-aging of the characters. Now, I will say it conflicts with Nightwing number one. Yes. Because in Nightwing number one, you know, it's not a de-aged Dick Grayson. Yeah. Uh, it not conflicts at all. with this very book earlier in the book. In the Batcave, he's not looking that young. Yeah. No, yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't know. I I think in the Batcave, it's just because he's pulling something off of his face. Um, but, can, I, I, I am I'm happy to see that the giant penny has made the conversion to the new 52. Yeah. Well, Paul, in the Batcave, he's walking side by side with Bruce, and he comes up to, you know, the upper part of his face. He's taller side by side with Bruce in these pictures than he is in this one. And I can – okay. So I understand why you'd be concerned. (laughs) I guess I just didn't even – for me, I didn't care uh, myself. I I, I, I do think that the – I will agree that I – believe that the Lincoln character, Lincoln March, looks a little too much like Bruce Wayne. And yeah, the hairstyle's different, but other than the hairstyle, they are very they have very similar looks. Yes. And I mean Lincoln March is taller, I guess. Yeah. With different um, hair. Yeah. But that's about that's literally the only difference, especially when everyone's wearing tuxes. You yeah. Know? So Yeah, I, and I, I had that. no I had no issues at all with any panel that where he was in costume. Yeah, the the art actually like I said I I had my concerns with the art. I had my complaints, but the art was good. It's just those issues I mentioned that really bothered me. See, the only issue I had with the art was I don't necessarily like his interpretation of the Joker. Really? We're talking about Greg Capullo. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't necessarily like his interpretation of the Joker. And for and spoiler warnings on, by the way, um, because it's not the Joker – I, I I thought maybe that's the, why he looked the way he looked. I don't know. I just didn't care for the for the look of it. Is it because you know we, we've imported the uh, uh, the movie version of the Joker into the uh, DC universe where it looks like he's got a cut face? Well, and that happened in the Grant Morrison run, so right. I'm okay with that. It was more around the eyes. I thought there was the the eyes. There was I don't know. Just the there's too much black around the eyes. Like it looks like the Joker's wearing mascara. Oh, like so you're concerned hair. that the clown is wearing makeup? Uh, okay, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, one thing that was interesting is um, they make a reference and to uh, new uh, denizens of Arkham Asylum. Yes, you know, they said there are old denizens, and they show Clayface, and then there's new denizens, and they show Jim Gordon Jr. Um, Jim Gordon Jr. Yeah, so if you if you're looking at the page where he's fighting Clayface and it says there's new residents of Arkham uh-huh. and they show a guy with glasses reading a book, that's Jim Gordon Jr. Okay, so talk to me about Jim Gordon Jr. Um, he's a carryover from Scott Snyder's run on Detective Comics. Jim uh-huh. Gordon Jr. is a homicidal maniac. Um, he, is he actually he is, related to Jim Gordon? Yeah, he is Jim Gordon's son, huh. and uh, you know he has been killing since he was a child, and so th- th- there was a uh, so. It, Scott Snyder's previous run on Detective Comics, which, by the way, I highly recommend, um, featured art by Jock. Um, 
but just a great run. Uh, so that character's from that. So obviously this is, you know, even though everyone's de-aged, you know, it, they're still carrying over some of the storylines from previous books. You know, is, nice. is it just me or does the new look for Black Mask look kind of like Guy Gardner meets Chapel? Yeah, I don't I don't like I don't know if that's just his I don't know what that is. I didn't care for the Black Mask look. I don't know if that's just, you know, if he normally would wear a mask over that or if that's just his new costume. That was interesting. I don't know. So, but, Wayne, are you in for number two? I'm on the fence. I'll probably end up picking it up. Like I said, it just this compared to Batman and Robin seemed very mediocre. See, and I got to disagree with you. I, I thought this book was I loved this book. I, out of the Batman books so far, I really enjoyed this. And I got to be honest, <clears throat> excuse me, it had a feel to me. And maybe you guys will disagree. It felt maybe it was just the scene where he's where Bruce Wayne is cruising around the party talking to people. It had a very Tim Burton Batman feel to me. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I, I, I just I could almost imagine Tim Burton directing this. I'm not sure and, that that's a uh, a positive in its favor. Well, I, I enjoyed the first two Batman films. So. I did too, but they are very much a product of their times. True, true. So I I, I I enjoyed the feel of this book, and I loved the writing. And I got to be honest, other than a couple of qualms about the art, I enjoyed the art too. Especially like you said, anything where he was in costume was just beautiful. And uh, so I'm 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 definitely on board for issue two. Very good. Tim Burton. Tim Burton. Huh, Paul. Tim Burton. Are you, yeah. Are you are you bat dancing right now? Hmm. Maybe. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Uh, so, Aaron, did you say you were on board for issue two? Uh, I did not say. I did not say. But yes, I am. I am on board for issue two. <laughs> Good. So, I have someone to chat about it next month with. Well, and I know you know I'm on board for issue two of Batman, but Batman is on board Catwoman in Catwoman number one. Actually, she's kind of odd hib. Oh, okay. That's true. So I guess the most controversial book so far of the new 52, even more controversial than rebooting Superman and making him unmarried, is apparently the fact that Batman and Catwoman have sex. Because even though everyone says it's never been revealed that they've had sex, yeah, it has. Yeah, it has. They had a serious relationship where she knew his identity before they rebooted everything. Yeah, that's one thing i didn't care about this book in catwoman number one it is revealed that need, that they don't know each other's identities any, anymore uh, but she so kind of hints that he probably does know her i actually like that i like that she didn't know that this is a the excitement i think for both of them is part of the you know that they're still wearing the masks and that they don't know i really enjoyed this book i, I thought the story was great the art wise, yeah, there was a uh, there was a lot of bras in here, a lot of cleavage. But I thought the story was very solid. I like this take on Catwoman. It's interesting to me. Yeah, it's a very sexy book. Oh yeah. Um, and I, it, so it's written by Judd Winnick, art by Guillaume March, who I'm usually not a fan of, but I gotta say I like this book too. Um, so I I I think that. The sexy Nicks worked for the book. I'm not always the biggest fan of Catwoman. For some reason, I don't know. Sometimes she clicks with me. Sometimes she doesn't. I guess it's, when she's more sexy, <laughs> she clicks <laughs> with me. When she's less sexy, I could give a shit. Uh, I'm the same way, Paul. She's a – sometimes I love the character. Sometimes I could care less. 
because the last time I collected Catwoman consistently was when Jim Ballant was on the title. I don't know if you guys remember him. Um, he did when she was still in a purple costume, and now he draws sexy witch comic books. Um, so I just I don't know. You're right. When she's just more sexy, it's like, oh, I love this book. And when she's less sexy, it's like, I'm just going to read Batman. But yeah, very sexy book. Um, you know, like Wayne said, lots of bras, lots of innuendo, and uh, but, but there's a lot of sto- yeah, there's a lot of story too, and you mm-hmm. get you really do get her backstory right here in this one issue. I mean, when she sees someone that's done her wrong, she her entire mission falls so she can get revenge on this guy. I mean, yeah. she is very angry, a very angry person that's lashing out. I this take on Catwoman just really hit all the right buttons for me. I'm definitely well, on board for issue two. Yeah, I am too. Absolutely, and you know, it a lot of it falls not just on the art because the art is gorgeous, but Judd Winnick is a good writer. So you know, if you are a fan of Judd Winnick's writing, you know he definitely you can see there's Judd Winnick's humor and that type of thing in the book. Definitely on board for number two, just like you. So we'll talk about that one next month too. So, Green Lantern Corps number one, sticking with the new 52, came out this week, and it's one of the few books this week that we all read. So, Tim hasn't talked in like 15 minutes. Tim, what'd you think? I really like this book. I, um, I, uh, this is my, this is one of the two places I can get some Guy Gardner, the other one being uh, Justice League International, and that book I didn't like. So, I was really happy with this book. Now, granted, you know, the first the, – the scenes on Earth were the scenes that I loved the best about this book. And the, the bad news about saying that is that those are the scenes that probably aren't going to come up very often anymore because of the decisions that are made in this book. So I'm not 100% sure if I'm going to like it to continue on, but uh, it was definitely solid. The funny thing is I felt exactly opposite of Tim. The scenes that I hated in this book were every scene that was on Earth. I love the rest of it, I, I, which is odd for me to say because I normally don't like the big cosmic Green Lantern adventures. I generally want them to stay on Earth, but I just don't care about Guy or John, and this is going to be their book. But the Green Lantern stuff that's going on in the background, the uh, the mysterious killings, the you know all of the other lanterns in here. All of that I really enjoyed. Um, first off, let me say, Fernando Passaran, fucking rock star. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. the pages are on fire in this book. Um, one of the things that I generally hate about Green Lantern books is um, when they draw aliens. You know, generally, particularly when they're throwaway characters, as are the uh, two characters that start this book. Um, they generally just look ridiculous, you know. And I re- actually really liked the character designs for the uh, two lanterns that wind up dead within three pages, <laughs> beheaded and cut in half. <laughs> you know, I'm reminded of the uh, old critical hit chart in the Ardor and Grimoire, you know, body split in twain. <laughs> but uh, the the artwork is just fantastic in this book. Now. I enjoyed the Earth-based stuff for the Green Lanterns, but at the same time, I'm thinking, you know, your sector is pretty huge. You know, um, shouldn't you like? Why do you necessarily need to be on Earth to do your job? 
you know, why shouldn't you, why, why wouldn't you set up shop somewhere else? And I know it's because these are guys, both earthers, and they're trying to give them a secret identity, or at least wanted to make a, a pass at the secret identity before they moved on with this story. I liked it. Let me tell you what I didn't like about the book. I didn't like that, you know, here we are having emerged from, uh, let's see, blackest night, brightest day, uh, uh, then into the Green Lantern War. And now, you know, this book ends up with, huh, this means war. Really? More war? Can't we just have some, uh, does everything need to be a galactic conflict? Can't we, we have some smaller stories before we get into that? Like what? This means dispute. <laughs> How about this means a, a harsh talking to? <laughs> one of well, the th- one of the I, things that that I like that they've they've really brought to the fore in Green Lantern is that the the idea of the sector house. You know, a little uh, for each sector there is a base of operations for the Green Lanterns. Have we seen that for our sector? I mean, I know it wasn't in this book, but have we seen that before in our sector? I don't believe we have. Yeah, I, I want that. You know, one of the cool things for me that I don't know if they've done before, I liked how they're describing the sectors. They talk about each sector being a triangular wedge leading to uh, Oa. So no matter where you are, you know, even if you're on if you're on Oa, you're still in your sector. I thought that was a really cool take on. It. I've never heard that before. That makes your sectors though impossibly large. Mm-hmm. I, that's yes. what, that was my problem with it. I'm like that doesn't that. Well, I understand. Ooh, that's kind of cool. But I mean, that sounds impossibly huge to me. It's it's a really really thin triangle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I I like the book. I I, I think they're on the right page uh, on where they're going. I'm just really another war. Hopefully, this will just be a skirmish and not some sort of you know protracted ongoing thing. Because really, I, I, I need to see the Green Lanterns do something other than just be at war all the time. I think you know I think that's just a, a, a different choice of words, Aaron. Because it, it sure looks like it's just going to be one really powerful dude. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't. But he killed impression. all those walrus people. Well, they were buck toothed anyways. <laughs> but, you know, whatever. Well, you know, you don't have to kill them. Get them some orthodontia. That's all you really have to do. He didn't have time for that. He just decided that the quicker route is just to suck all the water out. <laughs> you know, and I, I'll say so, an idea came to me while I was reading this book, you know, and we always we, – we, whenever we have a Green Lantern chosen, Hal Jordan, Guy Gardner, uh, John Stewart, Kyle Rayner, they're always humans, you know, from, from our sector. And, of course, you know, Earth is probably the, the most prominent of the planets in our sector. But, you know – there are other races on Earth other than humans that are intelligent. Wouldn't it be cool to see one of you know Aquaman's Atlanteans get chosen as a Green Lantern, or an ape from Ape City, uh, or an Amazon? No, no apes. <laughs> I got enough apes. As no well. monkeys. Monkey. <laughs> but I, I was thinking about that, you know, because you had the big water planet get killed, and I was like, you know, I, that'd be kind of cool to see an Aquaman-like character with you know the Green Lantern ring. I just think I think there are other choices to make, and of course, you know, you, you probably won't get to see those because there's already four humans <laughs> in the uh, Green Lantern Corps. Yeah, and they and they seem to not want to kill any of them off. So ever, ever, you know, they every every time there's a big event, it's like, well, maybe they'll finally kill one of them. Uh, but I think they're afraid to kill Kyle Rayner. 
Yeah, because you got guys like like Wayne and I who will uh, we will hop in our cars and go go beat some folks down. Yeah, I would yeah. never buy another Green Lantern book again. Yeah. You're dead to me, DC. Dead to me. <laughs> and that's probably why. Uh-huh. You know, and they're not going to kill uh, John Stewart. Why, and Paul? Why won't they kill John Stewart? Because it would be wrong. <laughs> why? Why would it be wrong, Paul? What are because you saying? You... Why? Why? Why is John Stewart protected? And none of the other uh, lanterns are. Why, Paul? Why? Because you need to diversify your Green Lantern Corps, and you're not meeting your Green Lantern sector quota. If you, you, kill know, you know, are Paul, you suggesting you, that John Stewart is a Green Lantern <laughs> under some kind of affirmative action program, Paul? That he is not qualified to be a Green Lantern in his own right? Is that what you're saying, Paul? Is that what you're saying? I'm not saying that's why he got hired. I'm saying that's why they don't fire him. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Paul, you could have. You could have saved yourself if you'd have just said they can't kill him because he was the one on the cartoon. You could have backed yourself out that way, but no. You had to go with the racial side. (sighs) You make me sick. Yeah, I'm disgusted with you, Paul. Jeez. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. And they can't kill Guy because Tim would then drive there and kill them all. Fight, Fight injustice with arson. (laughs) and here's here's what bugs me right because you know with this reboot i'm pretty sure wally west doesn't exist anymore so why couldn't they just do that to some of the green lanterns instead of killing them off i guess because they didn't want to reboot that continuity i think it would be the same thing i mean i don't know tim if guy gardner suddenly didn't exist you'd be pretty pissed right no more green lantern books yeah yeah i mean if if Kyle suddenly didn't exist, he's the only Green Lantern I care about. Yeah, so, but are you saying that Wally West doesn't have that type of that same? Mm, I, I don't think he's got the same sort of uh, following that that these other guys do. I don't think there is as rabid Flash following as there is a Green Lantern following. I can tell you, I'm not getting Flash because he doesn't exist any, or because he's not Flash anymore. I don't care about Barry Allen, so you know why would I pick up you know a Barry Allen book? I mean, I agree with Wayne that Wally was the was more was more of a flash than I thought. You know, we we get from Barry, but I think part of it is is that they wore the same costume. Mm-hmm. Like the Green Lanterns all look different, but if if it was like you know everybody looked like Batman, you know, eh, I think it'd be less of an impact. True. Well, and I guess to that same point, you know, Dick Grayson is no longer Batman. And he is back to being his good old self in Nightwing. Uh, Nightwing number one came out this week. Aaron and I read it. Oh, man. Do they now, explain in Nightwing why he becomes Nightwing again and why he's not Batman? Well, yeah. actually, his being Batman is in continuity. Mm-hmm. He referred, and I was thrilled that they referenced that. And, you know, he's fully grown up in this book, you know, as <laughs> opposed to Tiny Dick in uh, the Batman number one book. Tiny Dick. Um, <laughs> if it wouldn't cause issues with iTunes, that would almost be the name of the show. <laughs> almost. <laughs> uh, you know, I wasn't sure what I thought of the costume redesign. You know, I'm not sure that I like, you know, his his costume, the his Nightwing costume had previously been, you know, black, blue and white, and now it's black, blue and red. 
and I'm just I, I wasn't sure what I thought about it, but you know, as I as I moved through these beautiful pages by Eddie Barrows, uh, who, who again is just really strong on these pages, um, I liked it. I thought the costume worked. Yeah, I, I have to say it works on the page. Uh, yeah, more so than it does on the cover. On the cover, yeah, it, yeah, it, I, I the didn't cover's care. Actually, not that good to be honest with you. Well, you know, it's a it's a well drawn cover. I just don't care for it. You know, and I don't know if it's the coloring on the cover, you know, because it's his uh, his red bat emblem that goes from shoulders to navel um, is kind of lost amongst that very orange sky behind him. You know, so it doesn't pop. If that had been a black sky behind him, I think that, that would be a lot more interesting to look at. Well, and the cover it just looks like his big red arrow, a big red arrow pointing down to his uh, Nightwing camel toe. To the bat bits. <laughs> <laughs> but on the page, it absolutely does work um, yeah. in the book. Uh, and you're uh, you're right. Uh, the writer Kyle Higgins, who I'm not entirely familiar with, mm-hmm. um, Eddie Barrows, I think, did some stuff on Teen Titans before. Yeah, I enjoyed the hell out of this book. I thought it was really, you know, the the art with Dick Grayson, you know, especially all the fight scenes, I thought were really dynamic. Yeah, well, and you know, it really does push on, you know, Dick's acrobatic background, you know, and so you see all of that on the page. There is a lot of energy here. Um, the the uh, there. There's a lot of fluidity and a lot of just, you know, how does he move like that uh, on the page? It's just it's it's very impressive, the movement and the motion. And, and comparatively, which I know we're not talking about Amazing Spider-Man this week, but we're always talking about, you know, Amazing Spider-Man, you know, bodies don't move like that. Bodies don't bend like that. And I think that's one thing that I enjoyed about the art in Nightwing is that, you know, it, it's done. The fighting is very acrobatic, but realistic. Yeah. Now, you know, one thing that I really don't care for um, is circuses. <laughs> I really don't care for circuses, and, you know, the circus plays a large role in this book uh, because, you know, it's it's kind of a return to uh, Dick Grayson's origin of, uh, you know, being, being the youngest member of an acrobatic family back in his circus days. Um, so that's featured here. I hope we rapidly move away from it. Because, boy, I just I just hate circus stories. You're so funny. I do. I no, hate. I, it. Though uh, I have to say, the clown bit uh, in the circus was hysterical. <laughs> I'm sh- like, I I, I you, agree. You have a uh, a uh, guy in a clown suit, you know, and they've got him dressed in purple, and he's like. I don't know what you want me to say, Jimmy. It's the color we got. He's like, then I ain't wearing it, Hallie. You know, and the whole reason is you don't want to be a clown in uh, in in Gotham wearing a purple suit and green hair. Yeah, it's just not the best place to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought that was well done. I, I enjoyed. I'm the a book. clown really doing did. a show in Gotham. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that was pretty funny. But yeah, I am all over issue number two. This book rocked. Uh, mm-hmm. It was really nice to see Eddie Barrows. It looked like Eddie Barrows had some time to draw this book. And that's one of the things I wanted to say because, you know, he drew a lot of the James Robinson uh, Superman stories. And oh, right. w- I-, I felt like in a number of those books, he was rushed. For instance, uh, War of the Supermen. It seemed, you know, that, that was a book that came out, what, weekly? 
for four yeah. weeks. It seemed like he was rushed in that book, and the, the pencils just weren't nearly as polished. And you can tell he had some time on this because the love is on the page. It is. I, I just some, yeah. it's it's some of the the nicest uh, uh, Nightwing art I've seen in a very long time, and I am a huge fan of Nightwing. Uh, I'm glad to see that it's mostly the character that I, that I know and love. So I, I'm excited about this book. I'm gonna miss Dick Grayson Batman, but I'm definitely on board for Nightwing number two. Also, yeah, I am. But not, you know what? I, however, yeah. <laughs> on board for Red Hood and the Outlaws number two. Because, oh my god! Because this book was awful. <sighs> There is what? no amount of naked coriander that uh, could have saved this book, in my opinion. Yeah, they took a semi-interesting character and reduced her to a stereotype at best. I hated this book. I This book made me angry. Tim. Well, uh, hold on. Tim disagrees. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, this was, this was a fun book. I'm sorry. I, I, I loved all of it. I loved the interaction between... Um, yeah, all the characters. I uh, it was I, I love the art. Like Kenneth was Kenneth Roqueford. Yeah, yeah. He he kicks some serious ass in this book. Now I will say I do like the art. I thought the art was very pretty on this book. But I have to agree, story wise, I did not care for this book in the slightest. I uh, I, I disliked the pre- representation of the characters. I I, I think it. <laughs> I don't know. I I don't think anyone. Can can write Jason Todd other than Judd Winnick, it seems. Um, I just did not like the characterization. I didn't th- feel like anyone was likable. You know, we have a book focusing on three characters who I all hate. You know, I I really like the whole the whole conversation between Roy and Jason about what I thought you'd lived in Gotham, <laughs> and Jason Todd explained why would I want to live in Gotham when I can live in Saint Martinique. Like, good point. Yeah, I I have to agree with Paul. I I didn't hate all these characters beforehand. I liked every one of these three characters before this book. I hate all three of them in this book. There's – I did not like what they're doing with these characters at all. I hope that there's something more in the storyline with Firestar about why she can't remember Dick Grayson or her time with the other teams. Starfire. (laughs) Starfire. Starfire. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I hope there's something else there, and it's not just, oh, she's just an alien and doesn't care about humans. No, I will give it to Tim. Individually, there were some decent bits in this book, and I got to say, I would enjoy the book a lot more if I didn't bring and – maybe, and maybe it's it's on me because I'm bringing preconceived notions about these characters to the book, and these are not those same characters. If they had used three different characters, and actually I could give a shit about Arsenal. It's really just Jason Todd and Starfire. Uh, see, I like Arsenal. I, uh, I'm, a, I'm a Roy fan. See, I could give a shit about him. So, But I'm bringing preconceived notions about these characters who are not acting heroic. Uh, they're basically mercenaries. And I could see Jason Todd, I guess, as that. I don't know. I, I just – the characterizations felt off to me. But maybe that's who they are now, and I'm bringing – old old dc universe you know i'm mixing my old dc with my new dc and i shouldn't be doing that but is your old dc tainting your new dc is that what you're saying yeah i guess a little bit but i, again, I, I would say this book had quite enough taint on its own for you to be bringing extra <laughs> <in>. <laughs> i am i am shocked that you guys didn't like this book you know i just I'm, i i it didn't have a strong story in my opinion nor was there 
were there any really great character moments, and I'm just stunned at what that they've just reduced Starfire to, you know, a sex machine, which I appreciate. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> but but she she was a deeper character, and you know we're not getting that on this on these pages. Yeah, the fact she's that she, a stereotype now. Yeah, in fact, the, the whole fact that you know all humans look alike to her is just strange. Yeah. So I, I think, but you would. I don't know. I would reduce Starfire to a sex machine. So mm-hmm. I guess I, I understand why Scott Lovedell would do that. <laughs> but I don't, I don't know. I, 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 I'm with, I'm because Tim enjoyed the book as much as he did. I will give it a number two shot, even though I wasn't originally going to. Just so we can you know chat about it next month. Yeah. No, I'm definitely getting the next one. Well, yeah, uh, on was you four got. bucks. You'd be screwed. yeah. I'm not touching any more of that book. <laughs> this was this was the low hanging fruit on the uh, books that I didn't need to get next month. So one down. <laughs> well, speaking of books, I don't need to frigging get next month. You did Wonder, like Wonder Woman, Woman number one. You did not like Wonder Woman. This book sucked. Oh, I love this book. This oh, I love this book. The art sucked. The oh, story the sucked. The story it was, was awful. wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> there was there was nothing redeeming about this book. Wow. I, in uh, fact, this is the one book I think I'm actually going to return and uh, do the whole money back thing. It was uh, that bad. Uh, I hated it. You don't just want to tear it up on air? No, I'm not going to tear it up on air because I can get my 2.99 back and get some other crappy DC book <laughs> I'm going to hate. <laughs> Next week. Get Batman number one. <laughs> nope. Oh, next week. Get yeah, Man. so that's my opinion. and I, I think I've said about all I need to say. So why don't you guys chatter about how much you loved it? Wayne, what'd you think? All right. Well, so I figured I'd go next because I was reading Wonder Woman before. Um, I'm kind of splitting the difference between, you know, between you guys. I didn't love the book, that's for sure, but I didn't hate it either. It was okay. It kind of, it felt odd. It felt very strange that this was a number one because it seems, it doesn't seem to do much introduction. It just kind of drops you into the story. I am very curious about this version of Wonder Woman because we didn't see anything in this book to tell us anything about this version of Wonder Woman. Uh, I was the centaurs growing out of the bodies of horses was very strange, I, but I thought it was cool because I'd never seen anything like that before. Hermes looked very weird to me too, but yeah, overall, I'm going to give it an issue too because I haven't made up my mind yet. I didn't see enough in this issue to definitively say I like or hate it yet. I, I I was not reading Wonder Woman previously. I don't think I've ever read Wonder Woman consistently. Uh, I've, I've, I've given her multiple tries, but I've not read the character consistently. Uh, I, I enjoyed this take on her. I, I, I feel like it's more a, a more grounded take, and it's something – one thing that bugs me about Wonder Woman is that most writers – spend half of their runs trying to prove that Wonder Woman is interesting. Look, Wonder Woman's interesting. She can be as badass as super she can be as strong as Superman. And you know, she can stand toe to toe with Superman and Batman. And it seems like Brian Azzarello just doesn't give a shit about any of that. He just wants to tell an interesting story, yeah. you know, that deals with Greek mythology and how uh, a modern take on Greek mythology in modern day how those greek gods would present themselves to mortal humans nowadays and i enjoyed the hell out of it i i, I enjoyed some of the more horrific elements like the way the centaurs you know the, the this character cuts off the heads of horses and humans grow out of them i enjoyed that i mean it was violent as hell but i really enjoyed that 
Um, I will say, yeah, they didn't give you much to go on with Wonder Woman as a character. But uh, I'm I'm getting used to the decompressed storytelling. I mean, there are some books that you know, both companies produce where the lead character doesn't even pop up to the last page of the first issue. So the fact that she was at least in half of the book, <laughs> I guess, was pleasing to me. You know, Paul, um, with what I you're saying that. you like about it, I think you would really like the Straczynski run. I mean, when this, I think it's all out on p- trade paperback now. I very strongly recommend it to you because everything you're saying you liked about this, it did, and it did much, much better. It was so good. And ev- like I said, everything you're hitting on is covered within that book. And much the more grounded. They're doing well on that run. And I, I plan to give the Straczynski run a shot. I, I was waiting until all of it went down in price, you know, because I, I didn't want to pay $25 for the hardcover. And I was, I'm was i kind of hoping there's an omnibus of all 13 issues. But I got to say, uh, you know, to, to Tim's point, I dug the art on this book. Oh. Yes, I really dug it. I thought it was different for the character. And I get it. This is not – and maybe this is why I like the book. It's not written or drawn like a typical superhero book. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's very much different, especially for this character. It's a way this character has not typically been portrayed, and I I enjoyed it. I like the costume too. I like the the costume in Straczynski's run much much better. But this is kind of a blend of what she was before and what they did in his run. Yeah, I thought the art was charming. I I, I rather enjoyed the art in this book. Um, and I, I you know I like the way they're drawn Wonder Woman. I think she looks good. I, I think that that. Uh, She's got that majestic look about her, about her that you expect. I, I dug it. Now, I will have to say, I wish DC had stuck, and I, I don't want to get stuck on this point because I know it's annoying to a lot of people. I wish DC had stuck with, with her wearing pants. Mm-hmm. Not, because I'm, not because I don't want Wonder Woman's legs to show, or because I feel that Wonder Woman needs to have the original costume, but because I really kind of liked the costume better with pants mm-hmm. than I do with just the star-spangled underwear. I thought well, the pants just were more visually appealing to, on the character. I, I also enjoy that she wasn't wearing pants in the fact that she sleeps in the nude. So I'm, I'm cool with that, too. Sure. Just saying. You know, now if we could make her more like Starfire. <laughs> <laughs> or put them in the same book. Since Starfire says all humans look alike to her. Oh, yeah. Just saying. Yeah. Some hot Tamaranian on Amazon action. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sign me up. I will buy it. <laughs> no, I'm I'm not done with the hate. I gotta continue. Uh-oh, Listen, go. you know, Batman, Action Comics, uh, Superman. They all they all like Green Lantern. They all put the 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 five star typical. This is a comic book creative team, including artists. And I understand that DC 52s are gonna they're gonna do do some things differently. And we saw some good things with. You know, Wayne loved – you guys loved Animal Man. You know, I, I got a kick out of Swamp Thing. And those were kind of like steps outside the norm. But if this is like your Trinity book and if they're going to keep continuing to talk that bullshit, I think it's got to – I think you've got to not take artistic chances like that. Well, I think I you've got to make it look like the other two. Well, and I, I don't think they think that they are. Brian Azzarello and Cliff Chang, I mean these guys are – superstars of mm-hmm. other types of books. Mario Nazarello is a big hit and Cliff Chang, I know his art, it didn't tickle your fancy, but I mean, he's, he's a pretty popular guy too. So I think they thought they, I think that DC thinks they do have a superstar team on this book, 
Um, you're right. I, I think they took more chances than they did with Batman and Superman. Well, I can't say that because Superman, I, I feel they're taking a lot of chance with. And you know, we're, we'll see how Superman number one looks next week. I'm actually okay with them moving away from the Trinity idea. I would be okay in the new 52 if it's a long time before we see the Trinity as a Trinity. Because you know, it, it, for a while there, it was like, these are the gods of the DC universe and they can do no wrong. And everyone answers to Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. And, and that kind of annoyed me, you know, that if superheroes felt like they had bosses and these were their bosses. <laughs> and Paul, so, if they're, if they're stepping away from that, then I, I can take back my, my criticism about it should look the same, but that's not going to change the fact that I didn't like it. So uh, there you go. Well, there are a host of other, New 52 books from DC this week. Um, we're going to hit those in lightning round fashion. So, Birds of Prey number one, go! I'm really sad that I'm the only one who read this book because I enjoyed the hell out of it. Uh, Blue, Black Canary, um, some other characters I didn't know, written by uh, Dwayne Straczynski, um, art by... Uh, fuck if I know off the top of my head. Um, but just a... a re- Really dynamite book. Lots of action. Um, the art is by uh, Jesus Saiz. Uh, he did the art on the OMAC project, and I think he did the art on some of that Wonder Woman run from JMS. Uh, just I, good book. Really, really good book. Uh, if you know, if you're a fan of the Black Canary character, um, she's kind of the focus right now. So, but I recommend picking it up. Good stuff. Blue Beetle number one, go! All right, Tim and I both read this, so I'm going to let Tim take this one. Um, well, I, I, I felt like, uh, I like the art style, um, on the book. I, uh, you know, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta kick out of how this, how this has looked visually. I like the appearance of a Green Lantern, you know, briefly in the, uh, the history of the, the Scarab situation. Um, I could, I could have done it without the Doom Patrol enemies because I hate the Doom Patrol. So all their enemies like War Plasma, so I think they're lame. But I really got a kick out of the like Latin enemies, so to speak, that mm-hmm. came and busted up the the party. Those were fun. But I I gotta say, Paul, I, it was it was an okay book. I'm not sure it's enough for me to pick up the next one. Uh, I thought it was just okay enough for me to give the second issue a shot. Um, but just barely. Uh, I, the book, you know, we were talking about decompressed storytelling. He's the character Blue Beetle doesn't pop up until the last page of this book. Um, you, you know, the, the Jaime Reyes is throughout the entire book, but as Blue Beetle is only at the last page. So it's kind of, it's very much a decompressed storytelling, but I enjoyed it. Um, ish, you know, I, I do feel like the characters, I didn't read previous Jaime Reyes stuff, and this is a complete reboot of the character. So don't come in with, you know, Jaime Reyes's old origin or anything like that. Rebooted origin, you know, starting from scratch, uh, I'll give issue two a shot. It was just good enough for that, I think. Captain Adam number one, go! Uh, beautiful art. Beautiful art. Um, basically, Captain Adam has been reimagined as kind of the... Um, who's the naked blue guy from Watchmen? Dr. Manhattan. Dr. Manhattan. It's basically the adventures of Dr. Manhattan. Captain Adam is Dr. Manhattan now. Because um, he... Dr. Manhattan was actually based on Captain Adam, so that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so written very much the same way. You know, he feels like he's losing his humanity. Um, you know, he it, it, it's an interesting take on the character. 
it wasn't necessarily good enough for me to pick up issue two, though, um, especially since I was looking for books to not pick up <laughs> issue twos on. Uh, Captain Adam is not going to make the grade, despite the beautiful art. DC Universe presents Go! Uh, DC Universe presents Paul Jenkins uh, is the writer on this book, and it presents Dead Man. Uh, it's basically the focus is Dead Man. I don't know if it's going to change from time to time um, or if it, the book is just going to be Dead Man constantly. Uh, art is by Bernard Chang, and the art on this book is gorgeous. Um, again, this is a complete reboot of the Dead Man character. And there were some good moments in the book, and the art uh, – like I said, the art was great. And – the writing wasn't bad. It just nothing happened in this issue. It, it was essentially a, com, you know, dead man explaining his powers for twenty pages, uh, and just it, it wasn't enough for me to be interested enough to pick up issue two. Despite having an interesting cliffhanger, just not good enough for me to pick up issue two. If you're a fan of the dead man character, give it a shot. Uh, I've never been a dead man fan, so uh, I, I'm I, this wasn't enough to convince me. Legion of Superheroes number one, go. Uh, fuck this book. That's all I have to say about that. Keep moving. <laughs> Supergirl number one, go! Uh, all right, Aaron, Wayne, what do you guys think? I love this book. I love the artwork. I love the writing. I like the introduction of the character. Okay, love the cape, hate the boots, no real story yet, and Superman's costume looks dumb. I, I love the book. I I'm definitely curious to see where it goes. I like the revamped Supergirl origin. Uh, I'm a little sad that we lost the Michael Turner char- version of the character, but uh, basically, once Michael Turner stopped drawing the character... Everyone didn't know how to write her, so hopefully, it, hopefully, this is a better take on the character. It gets an issue number two for me, but it better present some story in issue number two because I didn't get any in this one. Uh, Planet of the Apes six, go! Ah, uh, Planet of the Apes, oh sweet, sweet monkey book. So, if you guys remember last week, Planet of the Apes number six was our faster, science homework. Faster. <laughs> We're not in lightning round here. We this is this is our spotlight feature today, Tim. Oh. What's That's up? right. <laughs> We're going to go page by page, Tim. Yeah, we are going to deconstruct Planet of the Apes number six. Yes. Oh, well, I'm going to go take a nap. I'll be right back because I didn't. <laughs> know. This, this was assigned reading material from Wayne. Paul ignored that because he's a rebel. Well, yeah. and uh, Paul, you know what we do to rebels? Two check marks. That's right. On the board. Uh, you make them read the infinite again? <laughs> <laughs> Issue three is just around the corner, Paul. Because I read that shit and I missed that episode. God, wasn't that, wasn't that awful? God damn that book. <laughs> uh, hopefully Planet of the Apes number six treated you guys better. Well, all I got to say about The Infinite is that I want to rip off Rob Liefeld's arm and beat Robert Kirkman with it. That's what I want to do. <laughs> That's all you have to say. That's right. You're going to rip off comment. one of his little feet. I'm just going to tell you right now. Now, Paul, you did not read Planet of the Apes. I, I am sorry, I did not. Despite being interested, I just haven't gotten a chance with all my DC books. So that's not an indictment of your thoughts about the uh, this new Planet of the Apes series from uh, Boom Studios and our friend, Daryl Gregory. No, in fact, I, because Daryl Gregory's writing it, I would normally give it a shot. I just haven't yet. Okay. So, Tim, was this your first monkey book? Mm-hmm. What you think, Tim? You sure you want me to go first? I do want you to go first because, you know, this is your first monkey book. That's right. Okay. All right. There were parts in this book in the beginning when we're talking about the humans and how their society has devolved. So, like, the first, I don't know, five or six pages, I'm like, that's an interesting story. 
You know, that's kind of cool that they have to, you know, sneak around in boats and everything's kind of weird and all that. And then you get to a page with a monkey riding a horse. And then you get to a page with a monkey wearing a dress. And then I'm like, I'm out because that's <laughs> fucking ridiculous. That's I, stupid. Monkey riding a horse. Is, monkey riding a horse is one of the most awesome things in the history of ever. No. It's 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 just, it doesn't work. It's it could only be better if it was a monkey riding a centaur. When you have when you have that that scene with the well, I don't know the head mistress ape with the parasol and she's wearing the dress and the earrings and it's a monkey. I'm out. I'm out. It's dumb. Aren't aren't we all really at our heart just monkeys riding horses? No, no, we're not. <laughs> I I. I, f- I found a lot of interesting story that I can't take seriously because I've got I've got fucking monkeys in this book. God, the, the so monkeys are what I'm, make the book awesome. No, I can't. I can't that and all the awesomeness. So, yeah, it's exactly what I expected. Oh, I'll, I'll take that back. It was it was at least better than I expected because I think that um, Joe Gregory is telling an interesting story that I might actually be interested in if it didn't have to deal with monkeys. So. There you go. <laughs> so Planet like of the telling, Apes with no apes. You're no, telling if an interesting it was, story, if you could just tell it differently, that would be great. <laughs> no, no, it's honestly, it's the it's the visual thing with the apes. I mean, if you put if you put like like DC's Martians in in the in that visual, I'd be down. You know, or if you put like different groups of humans or or whatever, I'd be down. It's the whole dichotomy of the monkey wearing a dress or riding a horse, and it's like. My brain does not compute, and I can't deal with it. So, Aaron, you didn't come into this book with some sort of psychological uh, damage and baggage. What did you think of it? I love this he book. just called it psychological damage. <laughs> I think the fact that you guys can accept that without even pausing to understand how stupid it is, then you guys are the ones with the problem. You know, I, I, all I have to say is what I've said many times about this run is that I, I, I love the artwork. I love the story. I am I am all on for you know this tale that Daryl Gregory is spinning. I it just tickles me uh, every month when the new issue comes out. Uh, if you're not reading Planet of the Apes and you don't have some sort of as Wayne states it psychological damage that prevents you from enjoying good things, I recommend you pick this book up. Um, I think it's a lot of fun. I think it's the one fun. really interesting thing about this book this this month compared to the other issues. There's some war stories here flashing back to this big war between the humans and the apes. That's not something that's ever really been talked about before. Yeah. They're, I mean, they've been playing with continuity a bit, but it's all been very much in line with what's going on in the movies. This is very different. We've never had any indication that there was an actual war between the humans and the apes at all until this issue. Mm-hmm. That. I'm not quite sure how I feel about having the war happen. I, I enjoy the issue. I'm still loving the story. But that kind of threw me that suddenly there was this great war between the humans and the apes. You know, I, I love that the apes utilize zeppelins. I mean, I, that just tickles me to no end, you know, almost as much as them riding horses. <laughs> um, but, uh, ooh, maybe we could get an ape on a bicycle. That would be good, too. Or a motorcycle. A Sons of Anarchy version of Planet of the Apes. No. I like it. I like it. You know, ape cruising through with big old tats and and uh, you know riding his hog. Oh yeah. Let's I want to see him remake Star Wars with apes, so you can have an ape on a speeder, an ape uh-huh. in a Tie Fighter, uh-huh. yeah, Darth yeah. Ape. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love how Wayne's assigned homework ended up with just the two people who would normally read the book talking about it. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I, I talked about it. Well, Paul, if you would do your homework, whatever. That Fuck that. Help. You're not the yeah. boss of me. You know what Paul is? He's an uncle fucker. That's what Paul is. <laughs> what? You're an uncle fucker. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean repeat it. I just questioned <laughs> its usage or, or appropriateness. Uh, you know, uh, Paul, nobody fucks uncles quite like you. Exactly. Uh, uncle fucker. Christ on a bike. <laughs> are, are we okay. done with Planet of the Apes now? <laughs> okay, Tim. I was done with it last Have, week. <laughs> have you picked your book of the uh, your assignment for next uh, week? For reading? I, I think I have. Oh God! Um, I think we oh, are, are all going to read Deamu Seven from uh, Image Comics. Next oh, week. I'm okay with that. That's a good book. What we're all reading? Right. What Deamu? What the Number hell is seven. that? Spell that for me. You just made that up. D A O M U Number Seven. <laughs> Right. You know, you know, Tim. If you if you're going to assign reading, it actually has to be a real book. Well, right. it's on the it's it's on our like image site here. Yeah, yeah, all right, fine, whatever. Yeah. I'll read your little. I didn't make it little book. women. It's already deal with enough little women in this podcast. <laughs> so, Paul, Star Trek number one. I think this may have been the book that I was looking the most forward to this week. Oh, yeah. I was psyched. This was uh, – even though DC released 13 new titles, eight of which I'm buying second issues for, this was the first book I read yeah, this week. Same here. It was Star Trek number one, which – Star Trek uh, is a new ongoing series from IDW that takes original series episodes of uh, Star Trek and reinvents them with the cast of the J.J. Abrams universe. Yeah. Uh, starting with Where No Man Has Gone Before. Which happens to me my all-time favorite uh, Star Trek episode. I love Where No Man Has Gone Before. Um, and so I was real curious to see how they were going to handle it in this book. And uh, I, I, I had not – I couldn't remember the episode. But I'm not as familiar with the original series episodes as Aaron is. You know, I can't tell you what happened in what episode. So I went ahead and watched it on Netflix streaming. And uh, But I read the book first. And I had to say, I'm, I'm, I – I enjoyed the changes that they made to the story. It's not a direct, it's not a direct episode with you know just with the characters drawn in the J.J. Abrams universe. Right. There are actually changes made to the story. Well, and what I like about it, you know, and and carrying on from you know the the 2009 Star Trek movie, um, you know the the Star Trek universe that we're playing in now is not a reset universe. You know. Uh, uh, you know, a, a reboot to that universe. It is an alternate universe, you know, so some things are going to be subtly different, you know. Um, and so one of the things I was curious about in this book is that, you know, key characters in that episode were Gary Mitchell and uh, Lieutenant Kelso, both of whom were not in the movie. And, you know, we, Captain Kirk had not. Uh, had that shared experience yet with with Gary Mitchell because you know he has this large background with Gary Mitchell prior to the Where No Man Has Gone Before episode. So they explain that in the book on you know the, these were friends from the academy, Captain's prerogative. He brought them aboard the ship. Um, and speaking of the ship, you know one of the things that I am most critical on on Star Trek books is how well they draw the technology. And let's just say that Stephen Molnar, the artist on this book did a magnificent job 
of drawing the starship. Uh, there, there is a full page of uh, the Enterprise on page two of the book, and it's just gorgeous. Yeah, and I have to say, okay, so the art on the ship was gorgeous. The actually, the art wasn't half bad. I did have some issue with the interpretations of characters, and I understand, you know, you have to, you're going with movie likenesses and all that. Um, and sometimes it worked, and sometimes it didn't. And and uh, it's kind of a tricky thing. You can't. I would prefer that even though it's a movie tie-in, I would prefer just people being drawn their own way. Yeah. You know, I mean, you'll, you'll, you'll know who Kirk is. You'll know who Spock is. I mean, and Chekhov, you'll get that um, through dialogue and, you know, that kind of thing. I, I would prefer that to trying to draw them like the movie counterparts because some of the likenesses just did not work for me. Sure. But story-wise, what do you think? Story-wise, I, I liked it. You know, like, like I was saying, you know, it's an altered universe, so some things will be different. And so one of the main characters from that original t- uh, TV show was uh, Dr. Daner. And, of course, you know, she's not a member of this crew. And Kirk, you know, th- there's this conversation that occurs that, well, you know, Dr. Daner didn't join the crew. And she didn't join the crew because, you know, she and McCoy had this prior relationship. Well, that's an element of, of the change in, you know, this universe because McCoy wasn't on the Enterprise in the in that original series episode, but he is in this universe. So anyway, I, I like that little nuance. Um, but they've kept the meat. I, I think you have to admit, you know, after having watched the show, Paul, um, they've kept the meat of the script. You know. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know the the. I actually thought that they would probably write out the force field at the edge of the galaxy that they ran into because mm-hmm. I do think that I think that that's kind of a uh, an old element that that really could probably lift out. So I was surprised to see that there. Um, but other than that, I mean, I just I really did enjoy this story. I, I enjoy you know the background scenes of uh, you know Mister Scott and his little you know alien assistant. You know, mm-hmm. I, I just I, I enjoy the, all the little bits and pieces of the story. Oh, it was good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I enjoyed seeing this original story reinterpreted with the new characters. And uh, I'm on board for number two. Yeah. And I think it's and a no, great I, idea for the say, series. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm not going to say I'm on board continue, you know, for the, you know, forever and ever. Sure. Um, but I'm, I'm definitely on board, you know, at least for issue two. And, um, you know, I know that the people who worked on the story for the movie are contributing to the series, so I think that's what's helping the series. Yeah. The well. only thing that I'm not quite so jazzed about in this book, Paul, are the covers. Really? I, you know, I don't like the big cast covers. You know that I mean, I'm not convinced that this is drawn. This feels like treatments over uh, over actual photography. You know, and I, I just I really like a comic book cover. You know, I just and I, I can see that. I mean, I don't know. The, the cover of issue two, I thought, looks pretty, pretty interesting. So it, yeah. I, I have to say I, I'm going to disagree with you on that. I do enjoy the covers and I, and they're trying to they are trying to pull in people because, I mean, you can't just have a regular Star Trek book because, you know, we we bought we all bought Infestation number one and I haven't <laughs> bought another IDW Star Trek book since. Yeah. <laughs> Until this one. Well, and with the exception of Infestation, IDW has done a remarkable job with the Star Trek franchise. You know, they they their their Star Trek comics have been fantastic and have really raised the bar. I dug this. I'm in for issue two. Agreed. So speaking, well, no, I guess not even speaking. We're not on that book yet. Thunderbolts (laughs) one sixty three point (laughs) one. 
What do you guys? Uh, this was read by Tim and Aaron. What do you guys think? What do you think, Tim? Um, you know, the, I, I haven't gotten a whole lot of point one issues just because I didn't feel like I needed to be introduced to the stories that I was already reading. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought this one was a decent look at how the Thunderbolts that aren't, um, you know, part of the evac back in time storyline, which, you know, is a little weird, but we'll get there. I thought it was a decent look at that. I, I especially like the whole, um, songbird uh, daydream nightmare scenario. There's a scene where she's she's remembering back um, about her time with uh, Baron Zemo when he didn't look like butt. <laughs> and, then his, and then his face explodes again. Yeah. That was fantastic. <laughs> That's a great nightmare. So, uh, you know, I thought for a point one, I thought it was it was worth getting you know, which I haven't seen any of those point ones where you guys felt like it added to the story. I felt like this did, at least a little bit. So I guess that was my thoughts, Aaron. How do you feel? You know, I I didn't think it was a bad book, but it didn't jazz me. And, you know, it's probably because I, I feel kind of the same way you do that, you know, I didn't really feel like I needed to be reintroduced to things. Mm-hmm. Um, the parts of the book that I enjoyed are the things that I, I enjoy about any Marvel book, uh, the presence of Valkyrie. <laughs> you know, I like that she was there, and and I do like the uh, Gunna character. You yeah. know, and so I'm interested to see that we're going to get to to see a lot more of her. Um, but other than that, you know, I, I read it; it was fine. I think it's probably meant for somebody who's not already reading Thunderbolts, uh, more so because of all of the the you know dream backstory montage kind of scenes, but. Uh-huh. Uh, but you know, it, it was good. It was it was it was solid. It just didn't jazz. I like I like Luke Luke and uh, Songbird's assessment of how they can take out the uh, the other team. It was like, well, once we start beating a Moonstone, we'll switch sides. And uh, you know, Centurius <laughs> is smart, but Ghost can probably take care of him. And Ghost's like, you bet your ass, I can. Well, he doesn't quite say that, but that's what he means. Yeah. So that was fun. Well, I, and I, I did. It was a fun book. I did enjoy, you know, uh, you know, Songbird's like, you know, well, we'd be way outnumbered, and their their nanite felsafes are disabled. And he's like, well, I was planning on hitting pretty hard, <laughs> 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 you know, because his plan is I'm going to hit them in the head. So that's your plan, uh huh? I'm going to hit them in the head, and I'm going to hit them pretty hard. <laughs> so Luke Cage. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you know, I again, you know, I think the function of the point one was met. Um, I think it is a, a good book to bring people in, and uh, you know I'm looking forward to getting a a solid back in the story Thunderbolts book next month. A solid story, not tied to any tie-ins. Yes. Free and unbound. Oh Wayne, Wayne Wayne, Ultimate Comics Hawkeye number two. What you think? There is nothing creepier than a little girl with glowing eyes. <laughs> that is true. That is true. She is pretty I, darn creepy. Yeah, I am still loving this miniseries. Uh-huh. It, I like Ultimate Hawkeye. I'm very curious when he's going to rejoin the Avengers teams. But I, I like this story, this uh, more global story of, okay, there were mutants. Everyone knows that you know the U.S. government created mutants now, and other you know other governments have created superpowered beings, and we're starting to see some of that fallout. 
Yeah, I, I, the the I, lo- I love the the kind of universal story we're telling throughout the ultimate line. Um, it really does. I hate to say it, it really does kind of require that you buy all the ultimate books just to get yeah. the full breadth of the impact of, of what's going on. Um, I don't I, even mind Ultimate X being on the last page, and I pretty much hate most of those characters yeah. at this point. But yeah, I and you know Clint Barton, who'd have thought they'd have ever made this character so freaking cool? Yeah, best quote of the week from any book. Uh, you heard me, son, and your concern is noted. But rest easy, I'm also sending you the Hulk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm excited to have the Hulk in the next book. Um, I liked the the um, explanation of why Hawkeye is able to do what he can do. Yeah, because so far they haven't really given that until now. Yeah. And it's it's one of those things, is he a mutant? It sounds like he might be, but... Well, he was a member of the program. So, you know, I, it sounds like it qualifies for, you know, a mutant. You know, but, you know, he has uh, enhanced muscles around his eyes that allow for orb distortion, giving you the ability to change focal length. And, uh, you know, it's pretty yeah. cool. And he's an Olympic gold medalist because he just walked into the Olympics showed and did it. Yeah. He says, you know, normal person has around 150 million rod cells in their eyes. You have a, you have closer to 400 million. Uh, I, I just I, I like that that explanation that he his a lot of what comes from not just having enhanced strength, but that it's his eyesight, you know, that allows him to see. And we find out that he sees mostly in black and white. Okay, Aaron, I knew you were going to love Ultimate Hawkeye number two. I thought it was good. It was so good. Now, what I'm curious about, you never read Ultimate X-Men, never cared for the characters. I'm curious what you thought of Ultimate X-Men number one. Okay, so I have to say, not a big X-Men fan. You know, um, I'm hardcore from my X-Men from back when I was a kid, but... I've not been a big fan of where they've taken the X-Men over the years. And, I, and I've read the odd issue of Ultimate X-Men every now and again. And it's always just kind of, you know, confirmed my belief that I'm just not an X-Men guy. Well, you know, understanding that to really, you know, get your your arms around and appreciate the Ultimate comic storyline going on right now, you know, that I needed to pick up Ultimate X-Men because this whole, you know, thing about how the government have created mutants is, uh, is, is actually an important story to the universe. So I'm like, okay, okay, okay. I'm going to pick up Ultimate Comics X-Men number one. But like the coyote, you get one shot, bucko. Rocked my socks off. This book was awesome. I, I absolutely loved it. I mean, despite that Jean Grey has dyed her hair brunette, um, you know, I was able to get past that. Um, I, I, I just I love this book. I, I like where, where all the characters are right now. Um, you know, generally, generally speaking, I, uh, I, I cannot abide the whole persecuted. I'm a mutant eh, because I don't understand the distinction between somebody who gets bitten by a radioactive spider and everybody's kind of cool with that. But they're not cool with the guy who's just born with his abilities. Yeah. But, you know, I understand the, 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 the metaphorical, allegorical, symbolic thing that, that uh, is going on about an oppressed race. I get that. Um, what I thought was interesting about the book was the opening pages uh, that Nick Spencer writes where Jean Grey, or under her alias, I guess, Karen, 
um, shows up at this lady's house to recruit her daughter who has just recently manifested mutant powers. I cringed so badly when I saw the that was a Karen punch. Grant in the beginning. Yeah, I was expecting it to start off really badly when I saw her, but this this was so powerful. This it, was it's a like punch a punch to the in gut. the gut. It was. It was a punch to the gut. Um, I, I, I was stunned by what happened there. And what happens is, is you know, she comes to recruit rec- recruit the mutant, and the father has gone upstairs in advance of her coming, and while she's there blows his daughter's head off with a shotgun so that she won't have to endure being a mutant. Yeah, and the part of it was they were willing to try to live with this until they thought the government was coming to get her. Yeah. That's what made it even more of a gut punch is, yeah. you know, they don't realize who Jean Grey is. They just think she's with the government. Yeah. So they're thinking their daughter's going to go off to, to a camp. She's going to be tortured. Yeah. And it wasn't just because she was a mutant. That was part of it. Yeah. That that was a very strong way to begin this. Now, uh, there there is a panel there that I didn't quite understand, and I was hoping you could explain this to me, Wayne. The guy's got like a silver magneto helmet. Made by uh, Warren Worthington, or Worthington Industries. Basically, his daughter had telepathic powers, so he... He picked up a helmet to shield himself from her powers so he could shoot her without waking her up. Okay, I get it. Thank you. But yeah, there was a lot of emotion in the book. Um, You know, like any X-Men book, there's a lot of teen angst in the book. And I like, you know, the the end of the book is narrated by Kitty Pride. And, you know, she, for for those of you who read, you know, um, Ultimate Fallout, you know, after the death of Spider-Man, you know, she led Johnny Storm and uh, uh, Iceman down into the into the old Morlock tunnels uh, to avoid getting picked up because the government's picking up mutants and putting them in concentration camps. Well, um, you know, her thing is, you know, we got to stay off the grid. We can't interact with people. We only go up once a day to get food and supplies. You know, we are not heroes anymore. We're in the survival business. Yeah, and, and if you want to know why, we'll go visit Peter's grave in the morning. Exactly. So, you know, she uh, – they, they're, they're on their iPad and they find out that Rogue has been captured. And uh, so that motivates her to, you know, go upstairs and, you know, go rescue Rogue, I guess. And the last comment on in the book or second to the last comment in the book is – and this is the story of how I became the most feared and hated terrorist in the history of the United States. I'm on board for this story. Yeah, they have made her such a strong character, yeah. and the art around her character is, you know, they've got a good look for her now. Yeah, you know, solidly defined, better than what we saw even in Ultimate Spider-Man leading up to this. The only things I didn't like in the issue was I don't care for Ultimate X; those three characters, Wolverine's son and whoever those other two are. Yeah, I don't care about them yet. They're going to have to do a lot to make me care. Yeah, I, 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 I'm in. I'm in. It, it did what it needed to do. It gave me enough to hold on to and not feel like I'm lost in some kind of, you know, uh, incredibly complicated X-Men backstory. Uh, it has it, it cleared the deck enough for me to enjoy the book. Now, you know, Wayne, I, I love the conversation between Johnny and Iceman uh-huh. where now that it's revealed, you know, the U.S. government made mutants originally. 
his point is, well, you were made by science. I was made by science, so we're kind of the same. Val yeah. Kilmer was in this book? <laughs> yes, yes, he was. Oh, okay. Was it the and volleyball I, scene? <laughs> exactly that scene. Oh, yeah. okay. And Iceman's Ice reply is simply, dude, listening to Kanye does not make you black. Yeah, it, the, the book is – and Nick Spencer you know, is, is a fantastic writer, and I, I just really enjoyed the book. Now, Wayne, do you have the book there in front of you? Yes, I do. Can you turn back to the full-page ad for Avengers Solo? Yes. Are you there? Okay, yep. so you've got, you've got Hawkeye there, and you've got Captain America, and Iron Man, and Thor, and it's done it, – this, this is a book by Van Meter and Robertson, and Hawkeye targets a conspiracy of epic proportions featuring an Avengers Academy backup, and it's going to come out when? October! 2010. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? Seriously? I, I also love how Avengers Solo features four characters. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, it's going to come out last year. I think that's great. Yeah. Really, what do they do over there in the editing department at Marvel Comics? I mean, I'm, I'm going to rush out right now and just ask you, hey, I missed the title from last year. Can I – can yeah. you reorder this? Can you hook me up? Um, there is also another full-page ad for the new Incredible Hulk book, uh, Incredible Hulk number one, The Man and the Monster, R1 No More, from uh, Marvel architect himself, Jason Aaron, and legendary artist Mark Silvestri. I'm picking it up. I'm on board, too. Are you? Yep. I, I am I am excited about this. The art looks good for this ad. I mean, I, I'm very curious what the story is. Yeah. Because I... I dropped away from Hulk when they started the whole multiple Hulks thing. Yeah. If this is just Hulks. one Hulk in the book, then I'm on board again. Yeah. Now, Paul, are you in for Legion of Monsters? I don't know. I'm, that's a, uh, I'm going to pick it up on the shelf, mm-hmm. see how it looks. Uh, it depends because, you know, they, they mess those characters up a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're great characters, and I don't remember the last time I saw them portrayed well. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, while I'm I'm intrigued by the idea of the story, um, if the art that they're advertising here is the art inside the pages, not interested. Yeah, that's a, that's a whole lot of just way too stylized for me. So, but I'm definitely on board for Incredible Hulk. Yeah, and I'm definitely on board for all thirteen number ones next week, the last <laughs> week of the new Fifty Two. Thank you. Yeah, no shit. Now uh, there's a a. a, a an interesting bit of books next week. We've got Aquaman and the Flash, Superman, Teen Titans. Which books are you guys picking up? I'm picking up um, Aquaman number one, probably yes. Batman the Dark Knight, um, Green Lantern, New Guardians, um, Superman number one, and Voodoo number one. Ooh, I, Voodoo, I, yes. I'm doing Batman Dark Knight number one. Green Lantern, New Guardians, number one, Superman, number one, and Teen Titans, number one. Green Lantern, New Guardians, maybe, but the only one for sure I'm getting is Teen Titans. No one's picking up I, Vampire, huh? Yeah. No, I've, I've seen enough vampires lately. Well, it's written by uh, Joshua Fialkoff. He, he was the writer of Echoes for Top Cow, and I lo- loved that series. So I'm, I'm excited about I, Vampire. I hope it's a good book. And no one's picking up the Flash? Flash fact. I'm flashed out. That, that really <laughs> is it. I just don't care about Barry Allen. 
he wasn't the Flash that I grew up with. I don't have any interest in the character. Now, is is Francis Manupool writing this one? He is writing and drawing. Yeah, I love his work. I just, I'm just not. I, I, I'm kind of with Wayne. I'm just, you know, Barry's not my Flash. I'm going to see how it goes. I, I, and I'm also picking up... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I will. There are a couple of books I'm going to flip through in the, in the store, like All-Star Western, I'm kind mm-hmm. of interested in. Um, and I'm going to flip through uh, Justice League Dark. Yeah, I don't know about that one. I'm curious about Hawkman, to be honest with you. Really? I, I have never read a good Hawkman book, ever. I haven't either, but it's written by Tony Daniel, who you know also wrote Detective Comics. So I'll give it a shot. Yeah. I, there are definitely books I have no interest in, but I'm picking them up because I signed up for that stupid thing like Blackhawks and the Fury of Firestorm. And but, you see, uh, you know. I, I'm, I'm, Blackhawks is another one I'm going to flip through because I'm interested in you know the, their new take because they're modernizing the Blackhawks. Uh, so you know, I'm kind of curious about that. You know, Paul, you've had some good luck with the books you would have never touched before, though. I mean, a lot, of, a lot of your favorite books through all this have been ones you would have never touched. Let's talk Animal Man. You had no intention of doing Animal Man until you signed up to get every DC book. This is true. And I got to say, you know, this week, when I say this week was the best week of uh, the New 52, this, you know, the one that just passed, I, I mean that out of the 13 books that came out, okay, well, now it's nine. But I was originally, because I told Tim I'd pick up Red Hood. But I was picking up eight. Num- <laughs> I was picking up eight number two issues, you know, and that's that's pr- that's more than any other week because the first week I think it was only five, and the second week was you know like a, I guess another five something like that. But this week there were eight books that I'm picking up the second issue for. The funny thing was I thought this was the most lackluster of all of them. You know the only the only book that I really did not much care for that I read this week was uh, you know Red Hood and the Outlaws. Planet of the Apes, what? Planet of the Apes was awesome. 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 But, uh, you know, I, the, the last three weeks in comics have just been fantastic. I said I'm going to be a little sad next month. Yes. When there's not a whole gamut of new shit to buy. <laughs> but also, be, but my wallet will be happy. Well, oh. there'll, there'll be another wave of number ones. May not be next month, but it'll be before too long. It's coming. When we start seeing books like The Ray. They're going to call it the new, new 52. <laughs> the replacement 52. Yeah, well, replacement twenty six is probably what's going to be. I, I have to say, I can't wait till we get on the other side of this month and we can actually see some sales numbers on not just what this has done for DC, but you know, we'll look at the spike that it's given other publishers. Because you know, there's everybody's reporting there are more people in the comic shops, and uh, you know, I'm just curious to see what that has meant. Because you know, yeah, folks are excited I, about their comics. I'm curious also. Yeah. All right, then. Well, I guess that brings us to the conclusion of another exciting episode of Funny Books with Aaron, Polly, Tim, and Wayne. Yeah, and next well, episode will be monkey-free, uh, right? We're, we're going to have a special monkified edition for you, Tim. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> monkified. Well, by the time you're listening to this on ideologyofmanness.com will be the newest episode of Knights of Rainsboro. Issue number eight. Very exciting. Very exciting. And What's coming- the title of issue number eight? Paul's a noob. <laughs> <laughs> that could be the title. Go find out. <laughs> yeah. uh, also, if you haven't listened to Star Trek Aegean, the first episode is out on ideologyofmanness.com. Great and episode stuff. two comes out this Friday. Ish. Ish. 
Excellent. Well, cool, cool deal, guys. I guess this uh, I guess this wraps it up. So uh, um, I think that what we have learned today is that Tim loves monkey books and that he is all in for issue seven of Planet of the Apes. And that Aaron Head loves the uh, the de- dehumanifying of uh, Tamaranians. <laughs> <laughs> and that Paul will be enjoying a, a Cuban whore later today. The really important thing we've learned is that Catwoman and Batman do it with the masks on. And it doesn't take long. That is the way to do it. That is the way to do it. I mean, let's let's be honest. You know, if you're going to have a mask, you know, take off everything else. I might leave the cape on. <laughs> well, it's attached to the mask. You have to. <laughs> I think that would get in the way. Yeah. All right. Bye, well, it, it might get sucked up into your ass while you're working it, though. That's the only part. That's definitely the end. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody wants to have to tug it out, you know. When, uh, <laughs> it's all up in your crevy. <laughs> <laughs> have a good week. Bye. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. <laughs>